listening to New Life the Fort, where the person of Jesus Christ and His love for you are shared. Let us go into the Word. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, and let me jump off from here in the Message Bible. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Say walk with me. Good. And work with me. Watch now how I do it. Learn the enforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you learn to live freely and lightly. That was Jesus speaking. Of course, that's in the Message Bible, but I like the way it's rendered there. Um, it speaks differently, but it gives the same message that when you walk with Jesus, then you'll discover that all the things that religion has tried to put upon us, that's not really true. And when you're in Christ, you'll discover that it is His grace that lifts, uh, lifts us up. Amen? This uh, afternoon, this noontime, this morning, I want to talk about walking, uh, a walk to remember. A walk to remember. Now, I don't know if you've seen the movie. Who among you have seen the movie? Raise your hand. It's okay. Raise your hand if you've seen the movie. Wow, you're old. Because no. <laughs> I've not seen the movie. Well, I've, I've seen the movie. And... Uh, what do you remember most in life in the end is that the people that walked with you, that shared life with you, that you built a relationship with. My prayer is above all of those relationships, it is your relationship with Jesus that speaks the most, that has the most impact, that has the most significance. And I pray that right today we will be reminded. I may not be speaking something new. Maybe this is something that you've heard before, but it is always good to be reminded of who in truth we are walking with, right? Because we know in life, life can get so busy, right? Life can get so complicated, right? And uh, we need to unburden, to unload, to sometimes understand that Jesus already finished the work and that it is His finished work that we are walking out on earth. Right? So, you know, that, that verse, especially that part that says, walk with me. He is inviting us to take a stroll with him. Now, I don't know about you, but can you relate to having walked with somebody? You know, maybe you're in a park somewhere and you're just, you're not, not rushing. You're not, you know, trying to get somewhere right away, but, you know, taking your time and Speaking with somebody, talking with somebody, sharing life with somebody. Do you understand? Have you ever experienced that? Right? And it's good, you know, to just walk with them. Much like the picture that was given to us um, in Genesis with Adam. It didn't really say that Adam walked with Jesus, but God was walking in the cool of the day and he looked for Adam. It seemed to say that this is their practice. So you have Adam and God hanging out together. When was the last time you hang out with God? You know, when was the last time that we just, you know, uh, I understand when we come to God and just say, and 
and there are needs, there are pressing needs, and we make our requests, and that's good. But when was the last time we just, Lord, I just want to hang out with you. I really don't have anything to ask, but I just want to be with you, Lord. Isn't it true that when you, when, you, when you have a relationship with somebody that you like, that you love, it's okay to just hang out with them and be in their presence, right? And you like to see them, right? How much more to see the face of Jesus? Oh, what an awesome thing. Now look at the person beside you. It's okay. They're not mad. Smile naman. Smile. There you go. Do you know that the Bible says that we are made in His image? So if you want to see God, look at the person beside you. Do they reflect God? Don't raise your hand. Don't say anything. Okay? You might say, but itong katabi ko, you know, the person I'm seated with, never mind. But we ought to reflect who Jesus is. In fact, walking is a big part of our life. Walking is a big part of, in the scripture even. You know, it would say the Israelites were encouraged to walk the promised land. When it says that, it's, it really means to conquer it. To, to take and possess what God has given them by, you know, taking over the land, marching. That's what, one of the first things they did. They entered Jericho and one of the, the first instructions of, of God was march around. See what I have given you. And I see, I declare here that there are certain people here, God is asking you to see what He has given you and it's time to walk it out. It's time to take possession of it. Amen? Let's, just, let's not just get to a point where, wow, it's so nice, it's so big, how are we going to do that? It's not you who's going to do it. It's God showing you so that He can say, now let me show you how I'm going to do it. And we just walk up one step at a time. Say one step at a time. One step at a time. There you go. Also, this is interesting because even before they got to Jericho, God led the people to a place, what people would say, stuck between, uh, what's that? A, a, a rock and a hard place. Okay? They're caught between the, the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. What's very interesting, because the, the Bible says in Exodus that the people of Israel, the waters parted, and the Bible says they walked on dry ground. Now, this is very interesting, because we know if something is wet and you just clear it a bit, the ground would still be wet. But the miracle that we, we sometimes miss, and I just got reminded of it a while ago, was that when God parted the waters, the, dr- the ground was dry. It was solid. They were able to walk through. It's not like mushy or whatever. Yuckers! You know, because they were wearing sandals, if they were wearing sandals at all. But they walked on dry ground. I know what you need in life. Either the waters were part, and you'll find yourself walking on dry ground. Or like in the New Testament, forget the water parting, just walk on water. I don't know where God needs you to be, but I, I pray that you just take the first step. Take the step. Amen? All, on and on. The disciples, you know, go, Jesus instructed them, okay, I want you to walk from town to town. Go in pairs. Again and again. A couple of weeks back, pastors said, you know, they were teaching about the good works that have been prepared for us, that we may walk in them. All these things. And by the way, 
If I ask you, who among you would like to say, at the end of it, I have run the race, I have finished my course. Right? We, we'd like to say that. We'd like to say, I've done it. Like Paul was able to declare, he knew my race is done. My course, I've finished my course. Done the, I've done the race. We'd like to say that. But do you know, you can't even begin to run if you don't know how to walk. We like to say, we get you know, pumped up. Let's finish strong. Let's, you know what? To get to where you're going, you have to start where you are. And if you want to finish strong, learn to walk. In fact, you'll probably find out that for you to finish, it's not a sprint. It is simply a walk with Him. And as you're walking with Jesus, you'll discover that He's already finished it all. Amen? Such a good thing. And this is our, this is our endeavor for today. We will learn what it means to walk with Jesus. There are a lot of a lot of people that, you know, you've heard it thought that this person walked with God, this person walked with God. The very first person that was very specific in the Bible that walked with God was Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. The Bible says, and Enoch walked with God. He, he was a father of Methuselah. Methuselah, by the way, if you've forgotten, he was the longest living person ever. 900 plus years. Who among you would like to live 900 years? Don't raise your hand. It's okay. But this guy lived 100 years, but then he died before his father. Very interesting because Enoch, this is what it says about Enoch. Enoch walked with God closely that God, you know, God and him became, they, want, they, were, they became one. In a sense, it's, a, it's, a, it's possible that you may walk with God that suddenly you're walking in the same footsteps. And Enoch entered eternity with his flesh. We can't even begin to explore that. But that's just an amazing thought. But down the centuries, you go to the New Testament and you'd see a person, Jesus himself. The express image of the Father. Hebrews chapter 1 says that Jesus is the express image. He was asked, we want to see the Father. And Jesus said, if you want to see the Father, if you've seen me, then you've seen him. So Jesus, you know, you could say that he was the ultimate one who walked with God very clearly. Let me read to you, I think pastors mentioned it last week. John chapter 5 verse 30 in the Amplified. This is, remember, this is Jesus speaking. Because sometimes we think, um, I'm going to say it in Tagalog, okay? And then I'm going to say it in English. It says there, sabi niya, who among you have said before na, eh, tao lang ako eh. Right? Tao lang eh. Sensya na, tao lang. And we've even said, you know, eh, hindi naman ako Diyos eh. Hindi ko mapapatawad yan. Diyos lang. Wow, that's pretty, pretty strong. In other words, I'll say it in English, sometimes we say, I'm just, I'm just human. You know, I'm just flesh and bone. I can't do that. I'm not God. Right? Sometimes you say that, well, I, you know, I'm not God. I can't forgive Him. But this is Jesus. The Bible says He, you know, because He is humble, He forgot being God. He, he deprived Himself of the powers of being God and became like you and me. And this is now what He was saying in context. I am able to do nothing 
from myself, his own strength. Independently of my own accord, but only as I am taught by God and as I get his orders. Even as I hear, I judge. I decide as I am bidden to decide. As the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. And my judgment is right, just, righteous, because I do not seek my or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, my own aim, my own purpose, but only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. This is Jesus. In other words, let me shorten it. He said, I'm, I'm walking with God. I walked with God. Now, if I ask you, anybody interested to walk with Jesus? I pray that more and more this is a growing desire that we have. I pray that you know, we don't lose our hunger and our thirst to be walk more closely with Him. There's a, many times in the Bible that Jesus was, in the New Testament specifically, that people were thinking, are you Elijah? Remember that? People were wondering, is this, is this the Messiah? Or are you Elijah? Because there's something about that statement okay, that we need to discover. Because that's a curious thing. Sometimes we just read it. Well, maybe it's something. But actually, if we chase it a little bit further, we'll discover a hidden treasure in the Bible. Now, he was mistaken for Elijah because of his zeal. Jesus was very passionate about the things that he was doing. He's not this laid-back kind of guy. Okay, guys, bless you. He was on fire. The people, were, people were wondering, even the Pharisees were wondering, where do you get this kind of authority? Because he was speaking with authority. Don't be surprised when you get to heaven that Jesus would preach. He's not this guy, this long hair, kumbaya, sap, flowers. No, I would think he's on fire. That's the kind of guy he is, you know. Because in the remember the time when, when Jesus uh, went into the temple and he got upset and he cleared the, the, the courts because he said, don't make the, my father's house a den of thieves. And it says there, later on it says, uh, his, the, the zeal of the Lord consumes him. The zeal of the Lord. It's like fire shut up in my bones. That's, that's what it means to have that zeal. Because that same zeal was in the prophet Elijah. Now, let me just give you a little background so you can get a picture of, of Jesus in Elijah. Elijah was just a shadow of the passion of Jesus. Elijah, if you may remember, he went up a mountain. You know, he was so upset that all these, the people were not decisive about who their God was. Some of them, they were so-so about serving God, but a lot of them were serving Baal, false God. And so he said, is there no one left? I'm the only one who's left serving the real God. Why don't we have a confrontation? Okay, let's go up the mountain. This is one guy versus 300 plus, right? False prophets. He said, let's go up there and let people decide by what God's going to do. If your God is real, then people will serve your God. If my God is real, then people will know that he's a real God. So you and I, all of you together, let's go up the mountain and let's, Let's, let's see who's the real God. So he was daring. So they went up. Now we went up the Mount Carmel. We, we took a bus. These guys were walking. Okay? So you can imagine. Who among you walked up a mountain before with your own two feet? Okay? Did, did it take you there uh, a short time or a long time? 
Okay, and I can imagine there were no roads during that time, so they were climbing. Okay, and he was on fire. He went up the mountain and he said, Okay, you guys go first. Worship him. So uh, if your God is real, then he's going to consume this sacrifice. And they were doing everything. And Elijah, after climbing the mountain, he was, you know, he was trash-talking the, <laughs> the priests. Oh, maybe your God is asleep. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Maybe, maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's busy. Come on, say it louder. And they were saying it, you know, they, they, were, they were doing it louder. They were cutting themselves because it was their custom. And then by the time midday passed, and by the time the evening sacrifice, just notice, evening sacrifice is about 3 o'clock. Okay? By 3 o'clock, he said, are you guys done? Can it be my turn? So after doing all that, taunting them, okay, now my turn. Now what did he do? He climbed up the mountain. He was taunting them. He set up the altar. 12 stones. Now just imagine, these are not itty bitty stones because the, the sacrifice has to sit on it. The sacrifice was not a dove, it was not a lamb, it was a bull. So imagine the rocks. Imagine the stones. So he set up 12 stones. So after climbing, he set up 12 stones and then he killed the bull. I don't know if you've killed an animal before. Don't raise your hand. Okay? But I can imagine... Uh, there was one time I was in the province and I could hear people slaughtering a pig. Okay? I could hear. I didn't see. I didn't say. I, didn't, I saw them. But it took a while. It was, it, was, it was hard work doing that thing. Just imagine a bull. A bull can kill you. The bull would say, you want to kill me? I kill you. <laughs> okay? So, so he slaughtered and he cut it up for the sacrifice. So just imagine the kind of work. And then, of course, the fire from God, exactly 3 o'clock, mid, uh, the evening sacrifice. That's a foreshadow of what Jesus did okay, later on. Fire from heaven. Sacrifice was consumed by fire. And then what did Elijah say? You get all these false prophets. Let's gather them. And, you know, because we proved who's, who, who the real God is. And you know what happened? They all, you know, of course, they tried to capture and they went down the mountain and executed these prophets. And they were not just one. There were 300 people. And you know what happened? He went up the mountain. He went down the mountain. And he went up again to pray seven times. After praying seven times, there was a chariot that was going far. He went down the mountain and chased that chariot. It's already 20 miles. Among you run marathon before? 20 miles is long, right? Okay. Half an inch is tiring if you've gone up and down the mountain. Okay? He ran 20 miles and went ahead of the chariot. This is a kind of zeal of passion. Now just imagine Jesus. What kind of passion? What kind of zeal? He was tired. You know, his, his cousin was just assassinated or, you know, was killed. And instead of grieving because of the people, because of his passion, he ministered to people. He didn't get to sleep. He wanted to save his, his uh, apostles, his uh, disciples, all these things. That's why people, when people saw him, that passion reminds me of, are you Elijah? So just imagine that zeal, that passion for what he was doing. Where did he get that? He was walking with God. Something very interesting. 
Because Elijah later on found somebody called Elisha. Elijah, Elijah. Do you remember Elijah? Elisha was the one who prayed later on, give me a double anointing from him. Right? Okay. Now what he's saying, in other words, the zeal of Elijah, Lord, I want double of that. It's amazing. And then God gave it. But here's the thing, before that event, Elijah went, this is a time when Elisha was called. Let me read to you a scripture just to give you a taste of, of how Elisha, not Elijah, started. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19 to 21. Okay, listen. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Okay? He was plowing, so Elijah was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Now during that time, if you had an oxen, you're doing good. If you have 12, mm, you must be rich. So Elijah was not a poor guy. He was doing well. His family was doing well. And he himself was driving the 12th pair, meaning there are other people, probably servants, driving the other 11. And then what happened? Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. What just happened? Elijah has this cloak, went up to Elijah who was plowing and then threw his mantle. That was a symbol of something. And then Elijah, and then he said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. This is Elisha speaking. He said, and then I will come with you. And then Elijah said, go back. Elijah replied, what have I done to you? He's saying, why? What, what happened? What did I just do? In other words, maybe Elijah was saying, do you understand what just happened? What, what did I do? But Elijah already understood that something happened. He was being called to follow Elijah. Notice what happens next. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. Now that's something very interesting. Because that was their means of livelihood. But he's saying, where God is calling me, I'm not going to look back. Not only that, he says, he burned the plowing equipment to make sure I'm going to burn this thing. And I'm going to use the, uh, the equipment to cook the meal, and I'm going to give it to the people. I'm going to celebrate. When God calls you, it's reason to celebrate. Because God is taking you to something greater, no matter how much, how good, where you're at right now. Because God is taking you from good to something even better. Remember what pastor was saying last week? He was asking, what is your boat? Because he was, you know, he was, they were talking about Peter walking on water. Peter had to step out of the boat so that he can discover that God's grace is going to hold him up on the water. Just like Jesus was walking on water. But he will not discover that he could walk on water unless he stepped out of the boat. Elijah, Elisha here stepped out of his boat. He burned the boat. He says, I'm going to step out of this boat. Let's burn it because either I'm going to die or I'm going to keep walking in water. Now that's extreme discipleship. Because what happened here is, is an example of discipleship. They had, what happened was Elisha, 
attended Elijah. He lived with him. He stayed with him. One thing we need to understand. Do you remember in uh, Matthew chapter 28? Can you go there? Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus, before going up to heaven, he made this declaration. In fact, uh, they were in Galilee when Jesus said this. He said, go therefore and make... Okay, you can do better. Go therefore and make... This command is not limited to the disciples. This is a continuous thing from their time, from their generation, even until now. God is not interested in making converts. It's easy to, you know, it's easy for God to convert people. But what He's interested in is to making a disciple, a follower, who would live with... Let me read this and let me continue. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Now, during that time, we kind of lost the real essence of what it means to be a disciple. The closest thing we can get is to be an apprentice. Okay, an apprentice. An apprentice or a disciple, his passion and his devotion and his desire is to be as good as the master, to be like the master. Um, right now, there are like martial arts, right? And you have schools that was established by, like, uh, what was with the Bruce Lee? The... Never mind. Let's not make Bruce Lee an example. But he, he established a style. Not, never mind. Anyway, I can just see, I just, that's all I can see. He didn't teach people how to go, oh, okay, everybody go, oh. That's not what he was teaching. But he was teaching a style. And there were people, you know, there were people wanting to learn under him. And as a, Jesus was called a rabbi, a teacher, a master, right? Okay. So just understand, he was 30 years old, but he was teaching disciples. He was multiplying himself. Because the desire of a disciple, I want to be like him. I want to be like him. I want to be so like him that I want to be where he is, where he goes. Peter said, we left everything, Lord, to follow you. Because a disciple wants to know everything that the master is doing. What is he doing? What is he praying? Remember what he said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Or, you know, how are you doing this? Healing the sick. Because they want to learn from him. That was the desire of a disciple. Who among you desired to be just like Jesus, then we are not disciples of somebody. Our first discipleship is with Jesus. Our desire is to be, I want to be like him. And then people, people know the master through the disciple. The master is known, how good is your master? I want to see your disciples. Wow. Do you know Peter said, not Peter, Paul said this, very bold. You know, he said, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, let me ask you, would you have the boldness to turn somebody who doesn't know Christ or who just received Christ and say, Hey, buddy, do you want to see Jesus? Watch me. <laughs> Wild, right? 
But in essence, that's what, that's what he was saying. Make disciples. A disciple imitates the master. Now, last week, pastors uh, kind of mentioned this, that in theater, where, uh, you know, uh, we used to be in theater, Pastor Mitch and I, and, you know, we would teach in workshops. And one of the things that we teach children, even teens and, you know, a little bit older, is the exercise known as a mirror exercise. Who among you have done uh, workshops before? Drama workshops or whatever? Or madrama lang kayo? I don't know. All right. You've done workshops before. Okay. Now, one of the exercises is called mirror exercise. Of course, the title implies that, you know, of course, we're all familiar with mirrors. But who among you have seen yourself in a mirror lately? Okay, so at least we still have that. Okay, just making sure maybe you're in denial that you don't want to see yourself. Or maybe you're so confident I don't need to see myself. Okay? But the mirror exercise, um, I'm going to call Isaac again because he's so good. Come on, brother. He is the express image of himself. No, of Jesus. Okay. Now, the, instruct- the instructor, the teacher would go. Now, we're going to do a mirror exercise and... Um, there will be people, there will be observers, but the observers, in truth, if it's a mirror exercise, you shouldn't be able to tell who's leading and who's copying. Because a mirror exercise, right? If you go in front of the mirror, the mirror will follow exactly what you're doing. If it's not doing that, break your mirror or run away or rebuke it because there's something wrong, okay? Mirrors is supposed to follow what you're doing. Now, the instruction would go further uh, than that. The teacher would tell us that the business of the one following is just to look at the one leading. That's all, the face. And the, the responsibility of the one leading is to make sure he gets to follow. Meaning, I can't do, if we're facing one another, my, my concern is I don't want to impress him. And say, can you do this? <laughs> if, I try, if I try to do that, then my heart is not for him to follow. It's for him to fail. And says, ah, you can't do it. Right? But if my heart is, I want him to follow, then I will make sure I will move as, as slow as I can so that he can follow me. Right? For example, are you ready, brother? Let's pray first. Okay. We'll do the exercise. We'll start out neutral, okay? Just look at me. Pause. I'm, now, let's try you looking somewhere else. Okay? Look somewhere else and try to do what I'm doing. Now, it's going to be harder if you're too busy looking somewhere else, but God said to us, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. You want to know how your movement will end? Look at him. Look at Jesus. Now, thank you so much. You've been so good. You're the next uh, star on TV. Jesus relates to an individual, and he knows how. And the better you are at following him, the, the actions are different individually. But God also knows how to talk to his body, made up of different, of different individuals. Let's just say, for an example, I'm leading a group mirror exercise, which is you. Are you ready? Can we do it? Something very simple. Okay? Now, put your hands on the armrest. There you go. Or on your lap because you don't want to touch somebody's arm. 
It's awkward. No? Hi. Okay, put it on your put it on your lap. Okay? On your lap, right? And try to follow what I'm doing. Remember, mirror. Okay, mirror. Don't do your own stuff. Okay, here we go. There you go. If you watch the video, it's funny. Some of you go, right? But let me explain a bit. Suddenly, as a leader, I take slower. I take bigger movements because there's a group of people following me. Listen, it's God's responsibility to make sure you can follow him. He doesn't go, I'm going to try to do this, just try to follow. It's not a competition with him. He wants you to be just like him. And that is the relationship between the rabbi and his disciples. That is why you have Peter, so passionate. Sometimes he would take action before he thinks. Sometimes he would speak before he thinks, what he, he thinks about what he was saying. For example, you know, if, if Peter was in his right mind, he wouldn't have said, well, at least for me, if I was Peter, I wouldn't have said, it's a ghost. Well, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come. So Jesus goes, come. If that was me, oh, but you're saying, come. Why did he say come? And so now he had to step out. But what I'm saying is that it was his passion to be just like him that drove him to do the things that he do, even though at times he failed. Sometimes when we're following Christ, sometimes we miss it, but we're not disqualified because our heart is to be just like him. That is our heart. That is our that is my desire. In Amos chapter 3, verse 3, as we're ending. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. It says there, How can two walk together unless they be agreed? How can two walk together unless they be agreed? If they're in agreement. Now here's the thing. Between you and God, who knows better? Hopefully no. Well, we know that God knows the future and all the things, Right? So he knows everything. And there, us, we are limited. But if we know God is good, God is great, He knows the plans that He has for me, plans to prosper me and not to harm me, plans to give me a hope and a future. He knows my future, right? It would be beneficial for me to agree to what He says. Because between your plans for your life and His plans for your life, God's plan for you is better and greater. So it is our part to go discover what He wants and then find ourselves, Lord, that's better. I agree. And as we continue with Him, you find yourself walking with Him. That is why it says, you can't go to the same place unless you first agree. And so that is, that is our heart. Um, remember I was reading a while ago when Jesus said, Go! Go and make disciples. That was said right before Jesus went up to heaven. Towards the last part of his ministry on the earth. In the flesh. But before he could say go to the disciples. There was an invitation to come. You cannot have a go without a come. Because first and foremost it is to him. Before we go and be the mirror image of Him in the world. You and I, in fact, 
as we were singing a while ago, we ought not to leave the presence of God. You want change? Anybody want to see change in their lives? True and lasting change only come from the presence of God. Apart from the presence of God, yes, you may change, but your change will change. Because it's not permanent. It is not lasting. True and lasting change only come from the presence of God because it comes from within. It is not, you know, it's not by works. In Genesis, I didn't get to share this a while ago, the Bible says we are made from His image and two things. Image and likeness. I checked the words to see if they mean the same. But it's different. You know, if you have a child, you can relate. A child, your child can look like you, but not act like you. But it's also true, the opposite. The child may not look like you, but acts like you. The Bible says that we are made in His image. The word means resemblance. And likeness, the word means manner. Right? You teach your, your children right manners. Meaning, the way they behave is just like the Father. And when we were created in Him, we have the image and we have the likeness. Sometimes we forget. How do you remember? Look to Him. See Him. Get to know Him. Everything that you will ever need, everything that you need to be a success in life and beyond success, live a life of significance, you focus on Him. Last two scriptures. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. says that this is Paul speaking. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Paul, who went through a lot of suffering and all of that, he's not saying that you suffer the same. But this is him speaking. But I want you to get to the second part. It says, For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until the day. He said, he didn't say, I know what I believe. He didn't say that. He says, I know whom. I believe. Ultimately, my friends, faith, the faith that you and I have, it's not a belief system. God didn't ask you to be part of a belief system. He asked you to be part of Him. That's why it's not a belief system. It is a person. Your faith and my faith is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. And it is the person that we get to know. A person we can relate with. You can't relate with a bunch of rules. But we can relate with a person who went through everything for you and I. We can relate with him and he can relate with us. Second, uh, second scripture, Philippians chapter 3, verse 9 to 10 in the Amplified Version. It says, I kind of combined verse 9 and 10. So let me just read it. For my determined purpose, this is Paul again speaking. He says, this is my, I've determined that this will be my purpose. 
that I may know Him. That I may actually be found and known and, as in Him. Those two are very, very powerful. He says, I want to be, I want to know Him. And then as a result of that, I, wanna, I want people to know that I am in Him. That people can tell that this one is in Jesus. Remember, there was a time that Peter and John were persecuted and the Sanhedrin were called and they were trying to determine, you know, why they were doing these things. In the end, their conclusion was this. These people have been with Jesus. Very powerful. Do people know you've been with Jesus? I pray. Today, the weeks to come, I pray that our part is to just be with Him guess what? It will come out. It will come out and people will know. I'm going to ask people here, just bow your heads and close your eyes for a bit, please. I'm going to pray two prayers. One is this. If you are here, regardless how long you've been a Christian, it may have been earlier, it may have been last night, doesn't matter, or you've been a Christian for decades. If you want to walk more closely with Jesus, I believe there's grace here right now for you. Lift your hands if you want to walk more closely with Jesus wherever you are. If you want to walk more closely with Him, I want to walk more closely with Him. I don't want to be concerned with so many things, but in the end, I want, to, I want you, Jesus. So that you lift your hands. Father, you see the hearts represented by the hands that are lifted here in this place. Their heart is to walk with you more and more closely, Lord God. I pray that you manifest yourself in whatever way so that people may receive and be in your presence, that they will experience lasting change. And Lord, I thank you that even right now, that is your desire and grace has been imparted in here. In Jesus' name, amen. Lastly, bring your hands down. If you are here in this room, you've never received Jesus Christ in your life. And you're hearing this message and you say, I, I want to walk with Him, but I feel I don't deserve it. My friend, we all don't deserve. But it is only by His goodness and His grace, He says, I forgive your sins. I take it upon Himself. I'm going to ask everyone to bow again your heads and close your eyes. If you've never given your life to Christ, I invite you to give your life to Christ right now Lift your hands and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ today. Anybody here? If you've never given your life to Christ, I want to see your hand lifted up. Thank you so much for that hand. Thank you so much for that hand. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. If you've lifted your hands, just put it down for for a while. Let me pray. I want you to pray with me. Speak this prayer. I'm going to say it. I want you to say it again. Out loud, I'm going to ask everyone to pray along with you. Say this. Jesus Christ, I come to you. I thank you that you've forgiven all my sins. That you've suffered and died for me. And you were buried for me. But now I know that you are also alive for me. Thank you, Jesus. I give my life to you. I receive your kind of life. Guide me and teach me to live it fully. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at newlifethefort.com. <laughs>